You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Florida Senator Rick Scott joins the Post to discuss the future of the Republican Party and the Biden administration's immigration policies. Let's listen. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Washington Post Live. Florida Senator Rick Scott is joining us today. He's one of the most prominent members of the GOP. He was the governor of Florida, and now he chairs the National Republican Senatorial Committee, an important leadership position as Republicans vie to win back the Senate and the White House in 2024. We have so many issues to cover today, from the Biden infrastructure bill to tax plans to the boycotts in Georgia and the surge of migrants at the border. Senator Rick Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Jackie. It's nice to be with you. Uh, Well, let's get right into things. Um, I want to talk about the award that you presented to President, uh, former President Trump this past weekend with the NRSC's inaugural Champion of Freedom Award, highlighting appointing three pro-Constitution judges to the Supreme Court, cutting taxes for the middle class families, uh, job creators and securing the border. Why was it important for you to award this to the former president? I've always believed, and I did this when I was governor, I think it's always important to recognize that, you know, people that do the right things. I mean, I'm very appreciative of what the president's done. I'm appreciative of the, all, the, all the federal judges he got done. I'm appreciative of what he did holding the cash regime accountable, holding Xi and China accountable, holding Maduro accountable, um, and the Ayatollah. Uh, you know, so I, I'm, very, I'm very appreciative of what he did for kids like me growing up. I grew up in a poor family. Uh, I grew up with, with a mom that said, even though we lived in public housing, we could be anything. And I believe Trump believed the same thing, that we need to have an America that anything is possible. And that's what he tried to do. And this is the first time that the NRSC has presented this award. Did you create it just to give it to President Trump? Was it your idea? Well, we, we put it together. You know, when I was governor, I had medals for, I had, I had medals for entrepreneurs. I had medals for, uh, I did over 15,000 veteran medals. I mean, I recognize people for, Excellent. We're going to be giving this award out uh, to other individuals, uh, men and women, uh, that I believe, uh, you know, focus on the freedoms of this country. I, I'm proud to live in this country. I'm glad I live in this country. Uh, I'm appreciative that I live in this country. And I know there's a lot of other people that are working hard to make sure this is the country that everybody has a chance to live the dream. And uh, so we're going to we're going to be giving the award out to other people. But I was proud to give it to the president uh, on Friday. And uh, I'm appreciative of what he uh, what he did while he was president and how much he cared about freedom. So it, it was your idea? We, well, our team at the NRFC and I put it together, but I've been, you know what, you know, Jackie, I've been, since I got up here, I've been asking, well, how can we recognize people? So I recognize when I was governor, I recognized teachers and business people and veterans and students and entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs. We, I tried to recognize people. I'm a business guy. And I know that, that people appreciate being recognized. And so I've been I've been asking them what what awards can we do? I'm doing this. I do the same thing in my office. And so uh, so one of the one of our team members came up with this idea, and it was uh, I, I, I'm I'm glad we did it. Do you regret recognizing the former president though after he was critical of several Republicans and has continued to sow disunity in the GOP, calling Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell a dumb son of a bitch and a stone cold loser this past weekend? Well, as you know, I, I gave the president the award on on Friday. Uh, I don't uh, I don't agree with the things the president said uh, on Saturday night. I have a very good working relationship uh, with Senator McConnell and with all the Republican senators, and I'm going to work hard uh, to make sure we get a majority back. Uh, I you know my goal is to get everybody to work together. That's why 
What I've been doing is, as the chair of the NRSC, I've been putting out national polls, polls to show people that the Biden agenda is unpopular. Um, the Biden agenda on election reform is unpopular. So we can get everybody together. I'm talking to, uh, we're working to, together well with the Re Republican National Committee, the National Republican Congressional Committee, the Republican Governor Association, state party chairs. And so my goal is to bring everybody together. Do you think you would have withheld the award uh, had you not presented it on Friday and were supposed to maybe present it on Sunday uh, in the aftermath of his comments? Well, my 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 uh, my scheduled meeting with him was on uh, Friday, and so that's why I did it then. You know, who knows? You know, it's hypothetical. But my goal my goal is to bring people together. I have a very good working relationship with the Republicans around the country. I was the vice chair of the Republican Governor Association. I have a great working relationship with the Republican National Committee. Ronna McDaniel from the Republican National Committee, Tom Emmer from the National Republican Congressional Committee, and I did a panel together on Saturday talking about how we are working together to make sure we take back the House, we take back the Senate, and we position ourselves to win the presidency in 2024. Do you believe that Trump's rhetoric, though, is harmful to, to this goal of unity that you're striving for? Well, I'm, I'm focused on the issues. I, I believe the election going, the election in 22 will be similar to my elections in 10, 14, and 18. My elections were about policy. So I made sure when you went to the polls in Florida, you said, if I vote for that person, you get that policy. And if you vote for Rick Scott, you get this policy. I clearly am going to do the same thing in this, in my role as the chairman of the Republican National Senatorial Committee, is make sure people know what's the difference between Republican and Democrat. So what, as an example, we are explaining that Mark Kelly down in Arizona has now voted three times against border security in Arizona. That's not what uh, the people of Arizona want. We just, we showed that, I mean, that Warnock in Georgia just, just supported getting, you know, getting the Major League Baseball to move out of Georgia. That's not, that's what, not what the people of Georgia wanted. And so what we're doing, what I'm going to do in, in, in my role as the chair of the NRSC is I'm going to make sure everybody knows what a Republican stand for for and what the Democrats stand for. That, for that's how I won my races. But I think it's hard for these policy conversations to shine through uh, when the former president is sucking up a, a lot of the oxygen with this inflammatory rhetoric and this GOP civil war that he is really reveling in. Becky, travel the country. You know, this, this, that's all interesting stuff in DC. I mean, I, you know, I've been in the last two weeks, I've been to Alabama, I've been in uh, Tennessee, Iowa, Mississippi, California, Florida, and you talk to people, they're not talking about, uh, you know, they're not talking about, you know, the disagreements, they're talking about how bad the Biden agenda is. They're talking about, they want a secure border. They're talking about the fact they want their schools open. They don't want men to play in women's sports. Uh, they don't want to shut down the Keystone pipeline. They want voter ID. They want the federal government to run our election system. That's what people are talking about. They're not talking about, about, about you know, two individuals that, that might have a disagreement. They're talking about the policy issues that matter to their family. Well, with all due respect, Senator, I was traveling the country extensively leading up to the November uh, 2020 election. And I was in Georgia um, specifically, actually, for a stretch of time where a lot of voters were really confused by the GOP's messaging, uh, which the president at the time had focused on, um, you know, trying to undermine the electoral process. So what is the message that the Republican Party is trying to get through here? And that obviously had consequences in a place like Georgia, where uh, both incumbent Republican senators lost to Democrats? Well, the Republican message is we believe in 
you have an opportunity to get a good job. We believe in your family, live in a safe community. We believe in your children, get, a, get in a good education. And we believe in a secure border. We believe in schools open. We believe in women playing in women's sports, men playing in men's sports. I mean, the things that matter to people, we, we, want, we want 100% participation in elections, but we don't want any fraud, zero fraud. And if you, if you look at what Americans believe, they agree with us. Hispanics agree with us. And, you know, I win the Hispanic vote in my state. The Hispanics around the country actually agree with us. They want a secure border. They want their kids to get back in school. They want to live in safe communities. We're all in this together, and we want something good for this country. What the Democrat agenda is doing, it's not good for this country. And so if you, when I talk to people uh, around uh, the country, they're, they're, they, didn't, they, they didn't get what they thought they are going to get when, when they elected Joe Biden. They didn't know he was going to open the borders. I mean, I took, a, I took a trip to the border. I mean, I mean, did he ever say, oh, I'm not going to put up, I'm going to, I'm not going to put up the gates next to the walls. Did he say, I'm not going to electrify the lights and cameras so border, border patrol can't watch things? No, he didn't say that stuff. I mean, the things he's done through his executive orders and the things he's pushing, look at what's happened. Just what just came out this morning with the CPI. CPI is, is up again. I mean, the cost of living is up. Gas prices are up. Food prices are up. And this is being driven by the Democrats can't stop spending money on things that the American public didn't ask for. I, I do want to get back to the crisis at the border and uh, President Biden's COVID relief bill and, and infrastructure bill, but quickly just want to put a, a button on what we saw from the Republican Party and some of the party's top donors this past weekend. The president also took aim at former Vice President Mike Pence for not fighting um, for this certificate for decertifying the results of the election in January. He continued to reiterate the false assertion that he won the November con contest. Who do you think won the November 2020 election? Joe Biden clearly is the, is the he was constitutionally elected. He's the president of the United States. I'm disappointed in the actions he's taken since he uh, was since the inauguration. But he is the he's the duly elected president of the United States. Um, I, you know, I've been fortunate that I've had one primary and three general elections. I've, I've been able to win my elections. Uh, I'm sure it's frustrating if you don't win your election, but we have a new president. Uh, I'd love to work with the president, um, but the President Biden does not want to work with Republicans. You look at the bill they passed, uh, the so-called COVID bill had very little to do with COVID, and he, uh, he got no re Republican support because he wouldn't even work with us. Uh, so this is a very partisan president. It's a very partisan time for a country caused by a president that's very partisan. Uh, and, and if you believe that Biden is our legitimate President, do you regret voting to decertify the Pennsylvania electors? Do you feel like it's compromised your ability to lead the Senate's re-election effort? Absolutely not. I mean, the I believe people should follow the law. And in Pennsylvania, uh, the the governor and the Supreme Court did not follow the Constitution. And I believe it's important uh, that 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 happened. And by the way, let's all go back. In every Republican presidential win the last 20 years, we've had Democrats vote not to certify certain electors. And so, and, but nobody wants to, no one wants to talk about that. Joe Biden is a duly elected president. I would, I would like to work with him. I know Republicans would like to work with him, but he's elected to go down a very partisan path that is bad for the country. Uh, you know, you know, the border's not, not, not closed. Schools aren't open. We're seeing significant inflation already. Do you think the president should stop continuing to propagate these false assertions that he won the November election? You know what's great about our country? People, people can, you know, we have great First Amendment rights. Everybody has the opportunity to say what they believe. 
I'm going to go out in my, in my position as a U.S. Senator from Florida and as a chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee and talk about the issues that I believe are important to American citizens and represent my state as, as well as I can. I, I'm wondering, though, you know, what the line is here, because we have seen a direct connection between rhetoric and um, not necessarily policy, but an uptick in domestic terrorism, hate crimes uh, and incidents against um, Asian people uh, and um, immigrants. And so what what is the line here? When will Republicans, uh, you know, what what sort of rhetoric or language from this president would you condemn? Well, look, I don't I believe we ought to try to, you know, bring have a positive message that brings people together. And look, I, I think there's a lot of people uh, that can always do a better job of bringing people together. When I was governor, what I tried to do is talk about the things that were important to families. Law enforcement was very important to families. What the Democrats have done, I've talked about defunding the police. When they go out there and say, a, 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 uh, when you see in the background uh, something burning and they act like, oh, that's a peaceful protest, that's not bringing our country together. So. What I'm what I'm focused on is how do we bring people together by focusing on the issues that are important to American families. And that's what I'm going to do in both of my roles as a U.S. senator, as a chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Do you welcome uh, the former president's involvement in GOP Senate primaries? Well, what I've what I've asked uh, is I would like him in open primaries uh, to not be involved. Uh, I don't I didn't you know, I personally don't get involved. Uh, in primaries, the, that's not the role of the national, either personally for me or the National Republican Senatorial Committee. I had a very tough primary back in 2010. Uh, I think every Republican in, in the country endorsed my opponent. But I've elected to stay stay out of primaries. I, you know, my goal is that you know let the voters make a choice, and once the voters choose, and then I would like all Republicans, uh, including the former president, to be very supportive of a Republican nominee and do everything they can uh, to be helpful. My experience so far in this job is every Republican senator and all Republicans around the country want to be helpful to me and my goal of getting a majority back for Republicans in the U.S. Senate. Uh, so how was the president's response to that conversation? I presume that you had with him about backing off of his threats to primary people like incumbent Senator John Thune. Well, I've, what I've talked about is I what I've suggested that is that he support the incumbents, um, all the incumbents. I mean, what I've, you know, I, if I, I, you know, give advice to somebody, I don't expect them necessarily to take it and tell them why, uh, why I should, why I think they should do it. I think it's, I think it's in his best interest. He wants to be, he wants to be successful. Uh, you know, I know our Republican incumbent senators are going to win. Um, and I, I believe we're going to get a majority back in, in the U.S. Senate. So I said, look, you know, I'd like your, I'd like your help, just like, you know, whether it's Mitch McConnell's or Republican governors or anybody else, I would like everybody to work together uh, to make sure we win uh, in 22. I want the House, I want us to get the House back. I want I want to get the Senate back and I want to be ready for um, winning a Republican, having a Republican president in 24. And our colleague, Josh Saucy, have reported that from the uh, RNC retreat this past weekend. A lot of donors were not happy with the former president's speech. Um, one saying that the speech was long and dour and that the president didn't spend enough time talking about his accomplishments during uh, his four years in the White House. Is it time for former President um, Trump to move on, accept the 2020 presidential election results for the, the sake of 
unity in the Republican Party? I was not at his speech, so I, did, I didn't see the speech. My goal is I've gone, to, I went to see him as the chair of the National Republican Central Committee to, you know, make, you know, do everything I can to get him to be uh, involved in helping us win um, uh, Senate seats. And do you think that he should be the, the Republican nominee in 2024? Is that something that you would support? That's, that's, a, that's a choice. That's a choice that he'll make. I know there's lots of lots of uh, my colleagues that are looks like they're interested in doing it. So if President, former President Trump, though, does make that choice to become to, to be the nominee again, is that a choice that you support? I'll make a decision at the time, but I'll, you know, I'm going to support the Republican nominee. Uh, and is that a role that you're potentially interested in buying for? No, I'm 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 I like my role as a U.S. senator from Florida. I like I have a two-year responsibility to get the majority back, and that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on. And there have been reports that the former president might be eyeing his um, successor uh, as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis um, as a potential, uh, you know, Republican 2024 nominee, or maybe even as a, a vice on the vice presidential ticket. What are your thoughts on a Trump DeSantis ticket? Well, look, I, I'm, appreci I'm appreciative that I live in a state that our, our business is open, our schools are open. And again, I'm going to support uh, whoever the Republican nominee is. And what is your working relationship like with Governor DeSantis, um, especially when it has come to handling the coronavirus pandemic? Well, what I, I look, we're, I live in a state that, you know, look at what's happened. Our schools are open. Our businesses are open. Um, the, you know, I think, I think uh, the, you know, at every level of government, they've done a lot of good things. What, I, what I've always asked for is, you know, lots, you know, put out as much information as possible. And if you look at you look at the information the state's putting out, they're putting out more and more information all the time. Do you believe that there was any sort of pay to play um, action that was suggested in the 60 Minutes piece on Governor DeSantis when it came to rolling out the vaccine program in Florida? You know, I never I've never seen anything like that. I I can tell you they they talked about Publix uh, supermarket chain. My experience with Publix has been uh, has been very, very positive. So. I, you know, they, they're, they're a group that, you know, always want to do the right thing and they're, they're all across the state. So it seemed to me to be a logical decision to use Publix. And I think they were already using CVS and Walgreens to, to get the vaccine out. And I think as far as I can see, those three companies have actually done a really good job. And on immigration, the crisis that we're seeing at the border, um, so far we have seen that Republicans want to prioritize border security before addressing a path to citizenship. Why should that come first? Well, because what happened is you'll never secure the border. I mean, that's that's been the, that's been the conversation for for forever. I mean, we we have to have a secure border. I mean, I'm I'm very supportive of immigration. I, I'm from a state that we are proud of immigration. I've been very supportive of fixing the TPS program. I actually took a bill that every Republican senator came on board with me on to the floor of the Senate. The Democrats blocked it. I've been supportive for a long time for, for the DACA recipient. Um, but I know that you can't get anything done if you don't have a secure border. I think what Biden has done is actually harm the ability to get any immigration reform done. Uh, when I mean, I took an aerial tour uh, with Governor Ducey and I mean, this idea that you would just not put up the fences. I mean, better put up the gates. 
where there's just gaping holes or you wouldn't electrify the lights and the cameras so the border patrol can do their job? I mean, I mean, who, how, where was this conversation in, in the election last year? I mean, Joe Biden never said that's what he was going to do. And think about now we have, we have what, over 20,000 children in custody. We, they apprehended over 150,000 people, and we don't know how many people were not apprehending. When I was down in Arizona three weeks ago, Border Patrol has told me they have to shut down some other areas because they don't have enough resources now to do um, you know, uh, security in, in certain places because of the way the cartels are sending people in different places to, to, max, you know, to make sure they use up all the Border Patrol resources in an inefficient manner. I mean, I mean, this makes no sense to the world. Let's do, let's secure our border. We all want a secure border. Americans want a secure border. I mean, that's what's so crazy about this. I mean, Americans want a secure border and Americans love immigration, but it has to be legal. I mean, I mean, I, I ask, I ask when the, these, sec, sec, you know, these secretaries are nominated, are you going to comply with the law? I mean, we shouldn't be changing how we run our country because we get a new president. I mean, they're supposed to be coming to Congress if they want to change the laws of this country, not just take executive orders and say, oh, we're going to not comply with the law. I mean, we are supposed to secure a border. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the law. And, and Vice President Kamala Harris has been charged with overseeing uh, the migrant crisis and this, the rise of unaccompanied children that has um, peaked to potentially as many as 26,000 in September um, children at the border. We haven't heard much from her on the issue. What do you think? Do, do you want to hear from her? Do you think she needs to address this more publicly? Uh, and if so, what would you like to see from the White House? She's done nothing as I can, as far as I can see. I mean, and it looked, she has what, I don't know how many days it's been since she was tasked with this. And, and as far as I can tell, I mean, she's done nothing. She hasn't been to the border. Um, and I mean, and, and here's a person that believes in open borders. She believes in decriminalizing illegal border crossings. She wants American taxpayers to pay for health care for illegal immigrants. When we, we sit here, we have $30 trillion worth of debt already. Uh, in in this country, and it's not we're we're running big deficit. We're going to run big deficits again this year. So I mean, the way I look at it is when you when you when you give Kamala Harris the opportunity to, or responsibility to do this, it's like telling somebody that that's an arsonist that they're going to be our firefighter. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, she she's not do, as far as I can tell, nothing's changed since she was tasked with the responsibility to secure the border. There's not not one thing's changed. Uh, and I want to talk about some of the policies and, and legislative priorities that Democrats have that are um, imminent, going to be imminently voted on in the Senate um, and then others that are being considered right now uh, on the infrastructure bill. Are there any taxes that you support um, from the corporate tax to the wealth tax uh, in order to pay for this infrastructure bill? Well, first off, let me give you a little history. I cut tax and fees almost 100 times in my years as governor. I didn't, we didn't raise any. We don't need more uh, revenue in this country. What we need is to spend our money better. And, and I dramatically increased our real infrastructure spending. We spent in my eight years, $85 billion on infrastructure. That means roads, bridges, ports. It doesn't, it doesn't mean a bunch of other, other social programs that might be logical to do, but they're not infrastructure. So to say that these things are infrastructure is not being honest. So I will not support tax increases. I will not support tax increases on families. I will not support tax increases on uh, death taxes on people. I will not support tax uh, increases in, in 
um, and business taxes because ultimately it impacts a family like mine growing up because it ruins the economy of this country. We don't need more taxes. We've got to make sure we can spend our money wiser so, so we can continue, continue to build this economy. And by the way, I cut taxes over $10 billion. I paid off of the thir a third of the state debt of Florida. And we had record funding for education, for the environment, for transportation. Because once you do that, you grow your economy so fast, your revenues come in so you can make more investment. You don't do it by taxing people and hurt your economy. And do you plan on voting um, in support of the uh, anti-Asian hate crime bill that was drafted by Senator Hirono and Congresswoman Meng that's being brought to the Senate floor tomorrow? Well, I'm against any discrimination, period. Um, so I'm reviewing that uh, to understand exactly what, what it does. Uh, but I will, I will oppose, I, I, I oppose any discrimination. I want everybody in this country to have the same opportunity I had as a kid to go build businesses, serve in the military, um, build a family. I want the same opportunity for everybody. And I want to get back to another one of your Florida colleagues. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm sure you're well aware that there is this investigation into Florida Congressman Matt Gates right now, who has been accused of having a relationship with a 17-year-old girl. He has yet to be charged with any crimes and has denied the allegations. Um, but their House Ethics Committee has announced um, an investigation into these charges. Uh, should should Congressman Gates resign? Well, these are serious allegations. I, I think the most important thing before anything happens is people get, the, you know, let's get the facts out. Um, and then, then you know, uh, you know, if anybody's anything wrong, uh, then we can decide what to do. And, and what is your working relationship with Congressman Gates like? I mean, you two have been in Florida politics um, together for, for quite a stretch. Sure. He was in the House when I, uh, when I was governor. Um, so, you know, there's a variety of, uh, uh, you know, bills that he worked on uh, that, you know, uh, it, you do so many bills as governor, you can't remember uh, who sponsored all of them, because uh, I think there were about 2,000 bills a year, I'm trying to remember how many, uh, but, but I dealt with, I worked with him there uh, since I've been up here, you know, most of my work has been in the Senate. And if he is found guilty, if these, if the Justice Department um, does decide uh, that there are serious charges here, would you call for his res resignation? Well, I think the most important thing is get the facts out. So we'll we'll see what what happens when the facts come out. And and someone like Congressman Gates, uh, you know, former House Speaker John Boehner alluded to him as this example of what he called a legislative or political terrorist. Um, these This new crop of lawmakers who come to Capitol Hill and are primarily focused on their social media presence and doing, you know, uh, hits on Fox News in order to make headlines. Um, is, you know, what do you make of the former House Speaker's commentary on the state of the Republican Party and um, the fact that the party is maybe controlled by these quote unquote political terrorists. Well, I, I respect um, uh, and admire actually uh, John Boehner. I think he, he worked really hard and he really cared. Uh, I enjoyed um, the times I was around him and had the opportunity to talk to him about policy issues. Uh, and I've seen him just in passing a few times uh, since he's, uh, he's retired. I didn't see uh, that comment, but so my experience up here is is that you know people are trying to get their message out in a lot of ways. Um, 
and you you know sometimes you do it through TV, sometimes you do it through um, different social media accounts. It's it's the way you know people receive their news now. Uh, so and you know one thing that's positive is there's you know seems like there's a proliferation of ways that you can get your message out. Uh, there seems to be more cable channels all the time and um, more more in different ways that you can get your message out. And I I, I think it's part of what everybody has to do uh, uh, as far as talking to your constituents. And um, so, I, you know, so I, I just, it's, 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 you know, when I was really young, there's like, there was only three, three networks. That's the only way you can get your message out. There's a lot more ways now. Uh, and, and before we wrap out, because um, I know you're on a hard deadline, you're getting vaccinated this week, I believe. Yep. Yep. I'm getting, yeah, I, I, um, I got, uh, I've had COVID. Uh, fortunately for me, um, if I didn't know there was COVID, I would have thought I maybe had some allergies or something. But I've been checking um, uh, with my doctor. And so I'm going to, you know, with the, with regard to antibodies. And so I'm going to get the vaccine sometime this week. I don't know which day it is. Well, congratulations. Good luck with that. Thank you so much, Senator Scott, for joining us today. I hope everybody gets their vaccine. Stay safe. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Please come back tomorrow um, and actually today in just a few hours at 11 a.m. My colleague Paige Cunningham um, is going to be focused on a section about the coronavirus vaccines and variants with Dr. Celine Gounder and Dr. Julie Morita. Uh, and at 1.30, Jonathan Capehart is going to interview Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Do turn it, tune into that. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm Jackie Almany, and I'll see you guys again at the end of the week. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.